and welcome to my podcast. It's going to be the College Basketball Discussion Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the Duke-Miami game from last night. We're going to talk about the Texas Tech-Oklahoma game from last night. We're going to talk about the upcoming matchup between Duke and UNC. And we're going to talk about all things college basketball. Uh, To start off, Duke-Miami. Miami took care of business last night, 77-75 against the the Blue Devils. It's a very bad loss for Duke, coming off a two-game winning streak in a game where they beat Clemson by almost 30 points. And Clemson has been ranked in the top 20 this season, so a very good win for them. And then they lose to the second-worst team in the ACC in Miami. Um, There's more to meet the eye to this game. Um, If you look at stats, Jalen Johnson, 13 points, 50% from the field. Wendell Moore showed up, 18 points. Matthew Hurt, 21 points, averaging 19 this year. Um, He did shoot one of six from three. That's an issue. He's got to be able to make perimeter shots. DJ Stewart, 14 points. He's been showing up late, shot 40% from three. Um, As a team, Duke shot 27% from three. It's got to be better if they want to start competing. Uh, The things that hurt him a lot were silly turnovers, being careless with the ball, Jordan Goldwire and Jalen Johnson threw terrible passes throughout the entire game. Goldwire has been very inconsistent this year. Um, he's got to step up, be that leader for the young guards. Um, on the side of Miami, Wong and Walker both had 16 points, both shot 60-70% from the field. Alani had 21 points and 7 rebounds. He shot 3 of 5 from 3-point land, that's 60%. And uh, as a team, they shot 7 of 13, or 54% from 3. And coming into the night, they were 321st in the country for three points all all season. And they defended the three the worst in the entire NCAA. And then they go and shoot 54%, and Duke shoots 20, 27%. So it was an odd night, um, but that's not just to explain for the way that Duke played. They played like they were going to come in and just destroy Miami, which they had in the last three years. They won by 30 points three times in a row. Um, but they play like a, a young team, and that, that they are. Um, combined for 27 turnovers between the two teams, very sloppy game. Um, but, but Duke was, was exposed, as, as they've been all season, being a young team, uh, not playing defense very well. In the first half, Miami scored like 20 straight points in the paint. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a problem that Duke has to adjust to. Is they cannot guard on ball, and they cannot guard a pick and roll. I mean, they switched to a zone at the end of the, end of the uh, first half, and it, and it helped. It definitely showed up. But then Miami started knocking down shots towards the end of the game. And Duke had to go back to that that man-to-man, which is supposed to be the bread and butter of a Duke, de- a Duke, a Duke defense. And they couldn't stop Miami from scoring in the paint. And it, it cost them the game. Um, also, the turnovers. The big, big issues were the turnovers. Duke made so many sloppy passes that led to, to turnovers for touchdowns, as we'd like to say in, in the basketball industry. And they just you can't do that against any college basketball team. I mean, they're college basketball players for a reason. They're not bad. Um, just some are better than others. Um, for Duke, it, it, it doesn't look good. Um, they're not projected to be in the tournament. They're not in the top 25 for the third straight week. They're 7-6, and six, probably the worst start in a long time. Uh, Co- Coach K's got some work on his hands. Um, it's tough when you have very inconsistent guard play. Um, the young guards, they're, they're trying to figure it out. But, I mean, we you have this talented core, but they're all freshmen. And Matthew Hurt, the best player, he's, he's only a sophomore. Like, I get, yeah, he had a year last year, but 
he didn't really do that much last year. He wasn't counted on. He was just there to make perimeter shots. And, I mean, he's still doing that in a way, not last night, but he's got to step up, and Goldwire has to, has to step up. If Goldwire can't figure out how to lead the team, they're not going anywhere. Um, on the side of Miami, their year challenged with injury injuries to their best players. Can't shoot, can't defend. And last night they put it together. Um, they came out with more energy, which is a lot easier to do when you see shots falling into the basket. Um, so yeah, I think I think Miami, if they can hold this shooting percentage up, be interesting to see what they do in their last couple games. Um, I, I don't think they're they're nowhere near a tournament team. I mean, they're what like two and nine and three and nine in the ACC. So I mean, I don't I don't think they're a tournament team. Uh, on to the next, the Texas Tech Oklahoma game. Oklahoma made the biggest jump in, that we've seen in the AP poll in a long time, going from like twenty four all the way up to nine. They beat three top ten teams in a row, and they faced off against number thirteen Texas Tech and Mac McClung last night. First half, sloppy game. I mean, just sloppy all over the place. I think with like three minutes left in the first half, it was like 16 to 13. Um, I mean, it was, you could say, oh, it was a defensive game. No, no one could hit a shot. Uh, I think Mac McClung was like, he had zero points in the first half. I mean, yeah, he, he played 28 minutes, 0 for 7, 0 for 5 from 3, 6 points. I mean, they had two players in double figure, McCuller and Shannon Jr., um, 15 and 13. On the Oklahoma side, Gibson and Harmon had 14 and 12. Manick had 11 points off the bench. Um, both teams shot under 35%. Um, both teams shot under 35% from three. Final score ended up being 57-52 Texas Tech. So Texas Tech came in with a so-called upset um, they were playing at home, had very few fans there, and I think they, they escaped in a defensive game purely based on McCuller. I mean, dude played 32 minutes, uh, 13 points, 8 rebounds, um, kind of kept him in the game in the first half, made a couple big plays. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how Mac McClung bounces back in their next game. Um, they played Kansas State on Saturday. I think that could be a, a huge breakout game for him, as well as their game next Tuesday uh, against number seventeen West Virginia. I think that'll be that'll be a good good place for Mac McClung to really show uh, who he's got. But Texas Tech does have they have a tough tough stretch coming down the road after Kansas State. They got West Virginia at home, and then they they got to go on the road and face number two Baylor. Um, so I think McClung's going to really have to step up in that game, or it's going to be a bloodbath. As far as Oklahoma. They they have to play Baylor as well. Well, they play Ohio State on uh, or Iowa State on Saturday, and then go and play Baylor on Wednesday. I think uh, Iowa State needs to be a bounce back game for them. Uh, they need to step up, show that show the offensive um, prowess that they had in the, the last three games before last night. Um, then I think they need to make a strong uh, strong case against Baylor. I don't think they're gonna win that game. I think Baylor has them, but I think they definitely need to 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 hold their own. And make it as close as they can if they want to stay in the conversation as a as a top fifteen team um, for Duke and UNC on Saturday. Um, I think it's a toss up. Um, it's at home for Duke, but this year that doesn't matter because there are no Cayman crazies. Um, I mean, it still thinks presses that it's a home. Duke is six and two at home. The two losses being to a, a number eight Michigan State, who has now completely dropped out of the rankings, so it means nothing. And then a, a huge loss to, to Illinois, number five at the time. I, I don't know exactly what they're at now, 
um, but I know they're a top 25 team. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad loss. Um, it's, it's not a good loss either. It's it's just a loss. Um, on the road, though, Duke is one of five. And, and that's where I think being a young team comes the real issue is being able to travel on the road and, you know, show up, bring the energy, um, especially after two back-to-back games. I think the big keys for UNC um, would be the big man play. And I think that's led them on their current three-game winning streak. They play Clemson tonight. I'll see how that goes. Um, Clemson was ranked in the top 20 um, throughout the year. They have now you know, fallen out, but I think they're still a decent basketball team if they show up to play. Um, but I, th- I think UNC takes it pretty handily. Um, their, their big men presence and the ability to rebound the ball and then push it in transition and just even on a make, just push the ball up the court is is second to none. It's it's the bread and butter of the UNC basketball organization. Um, uh, Robin, uh, not Robinson, um, Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, and um, the other big man's name, Ron Sharp, needs to show up big, um, which, I mean, they have that trio of, of big man, and it, it showed, you know, it's, I think it's why they're turning the page, they're trying to finally figure out where their identity is, which is down low. Um, as far as guard play, they have two young guards, uh, they need to step up. Uh, Caleb Love is averaging 10 points on the year. It's not bad, but if you look at his shooting percentages, he's shooting 31% and 22% from three. And as a guard, if you're going to be shooting those shots, you got to be able to make more than 22 and 31% of them. He, he needs to bring in m- more points than that. Um, and then on the other side, R.J. Davis, nine points a game. He's shooting, I mean, 32% from three. That's not bad. Um, 36% from the field. Again, not it's not bad, but I mean to be the two guards that that are supposed to lead this team, they they got to step up. Um, I think the big issue that that UNC is going to face down the road is their uh, free throw percentage. They're shooting sixty seven percent as a team, which I mean isn't awful. It's not good. Um, they got a couple players over eighty percent, but if if you look at their big you know core players that are going to be on the the floor at the end of the game, Baycott, Brooks, Love, Sharp, they're all well, I mean, Love's 75%, but for a guard, you'd like it to be closer to 85 uh, And then for Baycott and Brooks, they're both shooting 65%, and, and Sharp's all the way down at 57%. I mean, they're, it becomes, you know, in a close game, they become liabilities on the floor. So if you need a bucket and your identity is to go down low, but then at the same instance, when it gets close, you can't have them on the floor because they foul. Who knows if they're going to make make, the, make those free throws. So I think that's something that's going to be big. I think another person who needs to step up is Leaky Black. Um, he's averaging seven points. Um, and, and being that he's playing 30 minutes a game and shooting 26% from three, he's got to be able to step up and knock down shots. Um, Playtech, he's got to be able to step up and knock down threes when they need them. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game between Duke because Duke has some of the similar struggles. They, they don't really know who they are. They have inconsistent guard play. They don't have shooters that are going to just you know, walk into the gym and just knock down a shot like they used to. Um, I think the big the big issues come down to can hurt, you know, really establish himself and, you know, get his get his 18, 20 points a game being defended by these big men, which he's he struggled with in the past. I think the the one upside to that is because he can shoot the three so well, it takes at least one of those big men out of the paint for Duke to then drive and try to kick and stuff like that. But the problem with that is, is, you know, say 
Stewart drives the ball really good to the hole and, and Hurts not open, there's no one else who's really out there to, to knock down a three. I mean, no one besides Hurt and, and Stewart are shooting over 30, 35% from three. I mean, J- Jamin Brakefield is shooting 40%, but he's taken like five shots all year. I mean, he doesn't play that much. I mean, you look at Moore, Roach, Johnson, uh, Goldwire, Joey Baker, all under 30%. Those are supposed to be knockdown shooter. I mean, Goldwire, not really, but Moore, Roach, Baker, they're supposed to be able to step in and knock down a three. I think I think it's interesting for Wendell Moore being his sophomore, his sophomore year. He's averaging eight points. I mean, we've seen it in two games, Boston College, and then last night, uh, Boston College, I mean, 26 points like 8 of 10 from the field. I mean, the dude showed up and showed what he can do. But outside of those two games, he's not been over 10 point or 11 points. I mean, it's just it shows the inconsistency that he he brings and I think he he's got to mature that a lot more. He's got to figure out himself, his identity, where he wants to be and find his fit on the team. Um I th- I think UNC pulls it out though. I th- I do think the the overwhelming big men play uh will just it's just going to wear Duke out. And then the ability the ability of what we saw against Miami, of Miami just to torch Duke on the inside. And, and UNC is supposed to be a better three-point shooting team. Duke's not going to be able to switch down to that zone like they did against Miami. I, I think I think UNC just torches them in the paint. And, it, and it's going to come down to can the guards of Duke, you know, keep up and can we knock down threes? I, I Duke's going to have to shoot 50% from three to win this game. And they're going to have to hold UNC to – under 30 paint points and I don't know if they're gonna be able to do both I think they're they decide you know let's pack the paint let's play big you know go with the possibility lineup of like a steward Wendell Moore Jalen Johnson Hurt and Mark Williams the seven footer yeah that'll that'll allow you to pack the paint it gives you in essence three very big dudes on the floor but with that with that group you got I mean Stewart and Hurt knocked down the three but other than that no one can really shoot consistently. I mean, more you could say, yeah, he can shoot a three, but I just don't see it being consistent enough to 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 make UNC have to really not worry about you know double teaming other people. Um, and I think I don't think Stewart is mature enough to to run the point in such a big game like that. I think you need to have Goldwire on the floor to to play defense because Stewart's on ball defense is nowhere close to what to what Goldwire brings to the table. Um, I think that the guard play of UNC does allow Duke to have that ability to maybe not need to have Goldwire on the floor playing that on-ball defense the whole time. But at the same time, you know, Caleb Love could find his find his way in that game. I mean, it could be a, a coming-out game for all of them. And, I mean, if it, if it becomes that coming out of the game, I think that's it's a very positive note for UNC. I think, you know, they, they, they win against Clemson tonight. They beat Duke Saturday. That's five games in a row. I think we very well will see them jump back into the top 25 and I think that was great for their um their run into the the NCAA tournament I think it's a a great bounce back year for them I think they're finally finding their identity um I just think there's a couple pieces that that need to show up a little bit more and I I think they're close I don't think that they're yet but I think they are very close I mean they only lost seven points to Florida State who's arguably one of the best teams in the conference um definitely a, a top 15 team in the country I think they've been they've been plagued with a lot of COVID stuff and, and injuries and stuff like that. But, I mean, if you've seen them play their last, like, five games, they've they've been a, a, a force to reckon with. I mean, they always are. Uh, Leonard Hamilton, he, he does a great job at Florida State recruiting these big guys that just go after the ball and they, they don't quit and they just they score the ball. 
Um, I think I think it's interesting how Florida State you know finishes the year. They definitely started the year well. I think it, it'll be interesting how they finish the year. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be back in 30 seconds. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it to the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. And that was the Auburn call from 2013. And we're heading back to the podcast. So we, we left off talking about um, a bunch of ACC teams, you know, um, the Duke-Miami game, UNC's uh, ability to make a deep run in the tournament, Florida State's ability to make a deep run in the tournament. And um, I think I think the big issue is, is do we see Duke or Kentucky in the NCAA tournament this year? Uh, Kentucky, I don't see it. Um, I really don't. I don't think they have near the pieces nor – the uh the talent nor just the fight i mean i've watched a couple of their games you know brandon boston he was supposed to be in high level recruit and he hasn't shown up you know i think i think it's just an off year for kentucky being that they have no real leadership on that team um as far as duke goes i don't you know i'm a a loyal duke fan i love duke but I, i really don't see it right now um i i don't see us turning it around in time uh i think it becomes a, a big issue um, coming down the line of if we still have to play Virginia, Virginia Tech, at Georgia Tech, at UNC, still have to find a way to play Florida State. Um, and, and those are the, the top five teams in, in the ACC, or some of them. I mean, Georgia Tech not so much, but they took us down to the wire at Cameron. I mean, at Georgia Tech's not going to be any easier. And I think that these, these gimme games that Duke is so used to getting in the ACC, you're, they've already lost, or they're not getting them this year. You know, Pittsburgh, that's an easy game. That That's that's a game that should have been won. Miami, that's definitely a game that should have been won. I mean, you beat Wake, but everyone beats Wake. Boston College, everyone beats Boston College. You know, these are easy games that, that Duke has struggled with. And now, you know, when it comes to, you know, this this crunch time of you got to win out, you, you got to win these games. And yeah, if they can pull it together and win these games, it looks even better because, you know, it builds that resume in the year on, on a good run, beating these solid teams. It shows the improvement. But at the same time, it puts a lot of lot of stress and, and uh, pressure on these young players who haven't been able to figure out this far what makes them think that, oh, suddenly the, bright, the, the, the lights get brighter, the stage gets bigger, that they're just going to figure it out. I, th- I think it's, it's definitely going to be a tough road. I think Coach K has the ability to, to steer them on the right track. It's just going to be about, you know, buying in and, and figuring out what they're going to be able to do. Um, as far as, you know, around the league, I think the one the one interesting player to, to look out for as the season continues and progresses as we get closer, you know, crunch times, bigger games, is Sharif Cooper of Auburn. Uh, he's averaging 23 points a game. Um, he's only played uh, a couple games, but in those big games, you know, he's averaging 23, 24, 25 He's, I mean, he's an NBA talent. There's no, there's no uh, arguing that, to an extent. Um, can't shoot. Uh, he's 18% from three. As, as a guard that's averaging 20 plus points, and you're supposed to be carrying your team, you know, you got to be able to shoot the three. We're seeing that in the NBA now. I mean, everyone has to be able to shoot threes. It's just, the, it's just the way of the game. I mean, LeBron, what he's talked about m- multiple years of him being able to learn to shoot the three because that's the, the direction the NBA has gone is you got to be able to shoot to be successful in the league. And, I mean, shooting 
and you shoot five or six a game on average, I mean, that's that's terrible. He, he starts making two, three a game while shooting five or six. I mean, yeah, that's 50, 40 percent. I mean, that's an extra six, eight points, you know, and that and that brings him up from a 22 average player to, you know, a 26, 27. Now we're talking, you know, one of the top players in college basketball. Uh, I think uh, he'll, he'll pull it together. I think he's definitely not a one and done like he thought he was going to be. He's definitely going to be a two or three year player. Um, but I think it'll be good for him. You know, he's a little undersized, but I mean, it, there's no, there's no backing down in that kid. I mean, his toughness is off the charts. At six one, dude's incredibly athletic. He can get to the ball, to the the basket, and score at will. It's just gonna come down to can he knock down perimeter shots. And uh, I like to do a thing at the end of my podcast, and it's gonna be unpopular opinions. And my unpopular opinion is gonna be Luke Garza. I think he's overrated. I, I mean that. Well, I have two actually. Luke Garza is the first one. I think the dude is completely overrated um I mean you saw him in the UNC game didn't really do much against true big men you know I mean yeah he ended with like 20 something points but I mean at at that size and you're getting the ball that much you're gonna score 20 a night yeah the dude's averaging you know 30 something points a game but I just I don't see him being a good fit in the NBA he can't shoot the three he's I mean, he's big, like he's a big guy, but he's undersized for the center position. I mean, who? he's not going to back down Joel Embiid. He's not going to back down DeAndre Jordan. He's not going to go toe-to-toe with Zion. Like, he's not going to go big man against any of these people. And I think that's where he's going to he's gonna run into some issues, you know, of what, what is he going to do. Excuse me, he's not averaging 32. He's averaging 26 points, 8.5 rebounds, shooting 60% at 6'1", 265. I mean, he's just not... He's not that good to me. You know, if you look in their losses, you know, they lost to Illinois, right? 80 to 75. He played 28 minutes and had 19 points. 19 points. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's not bad, but I mean, like, that's not good. And then you look at a, at a, at a team that Northwestern, they beat by 20-something. They, ha- they have no big men. 17 points. Like, what are you doing, dude? I mean, 17 points. I mean, he's not getting double-doubles. He's not... Let's see, his his best game of the year he had against Southern, where they won by 30. He had 41 points. There's no one above 6'8 on Southern's roster. I mean, it, it, it's a team that's just terrible. And yeah, okay, he put up 41 points. And then he goes out, and against UNC, he had 16 points. 35 minutes, 16 points, shot 30% from the field. 50% from the free throw line. Four fouls. He put him against big men. He doesn't succeed. 18 points against North, like Northwestern is ability to shut him down. And I think that's where the big issue is, is he can't shoot free throws. He can't shoot threes, you know, and and he's just, he can't play against bigger big men. My second uh, unpopular opinion of the podcast is Gonzaga. I don't think they're that good. I mean, who do they play? They don't really play anybody because they're in this, like, who-knows conference. Like, I think their last game was, what, Pepperdine? I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they continue to win. They beat Pepperdine. Who the hell is Pepperdine? They're 7-8, and eight, and they're one of the top teams in their conference? Like, come on, man. Gonzaga. Like, okay, let's, let's, let's look at this logically. Who have they beat? Okay, they beat Kansas. Kansas isn't that good this year. Kansas has already dropped out of the top 20. Then they go and beat Auburn. Auburn's a subpar 500 team without Shreve Cooper. Then you look in, in December. This December. Okay, 
They beat West Virginia by five. I'll, I'll give them that. The Baylor game, postponed. So, th- there goes that game. Okay, then they play Iowa. I mean, okay, but I don't think Iowa's that good anyway. You know, I mean, they're all right, but they're not a, They're not the number one. I think Baylor is way better than Gonzaga. I mean, you look at who they've played since, you know, their non-conference games. Northwestern State twice. Uh, North Arizona, Dixie State, San Francisco, BYU, Portland, Pepperdine, St. Mary's, Pacific, San Diego, Pepperdine again. None of these teams are ranked. I mean, you look at their their conference standings. Their conference is BYU, Pepperdine, San Francisco, Pacific, St. Mary's, all these teams. And all these teams are 7 and 8, 8 and 6, 5 and 4, 2 and 7, 6 and 10. You know, in the in the conference, zero and seven, one and four, three and three, three and three, four and four. I mean, you're you're playing all these teams. Yeah, you better go undefeated. Like, come on, man. And then you go look at like the teams of like Baylor's or essence. You know, the number two team in the country, who I think should be the number one. You look at who they're playing. You know, they play. Let's see, they beat Illinois. They beat um, who else did they beat? They beat. Let's see. They went and beat Oklahoma, a top 10 team. They beat um, Texas Tech. They beat Kansas. They beat Auburn with Sharif Cooper. I mean, you look at who Texas, and, and this is where it's going to get real interesting. I think Baylor's next stretch of games where they have at te- number six, Texas. Then they got TCU at home. Then they're at number nine, Oklahoma. Then they host Texas, Texas, again, Texas Tech again. Then they play West Virginia back to back. All of these are ranked teams. You know, I think if, if Baylor can can come out with minimal loss, then you know maybe one, maybe two losses to that, I think they should stay above Gonzaga because Gonzaga is still not playing anybody. You know, I think if if we would have seen the Baylor Gonzaga game at the beginning of the year, I think Baylor would have wiped the gym with them. I just I, Gonzaga's, you know, yeah, they're in the NCAA tournament every year and they get to, you know Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, but they can never really put it together. The one year they can put it together, they go and lose to a decent UNC team in a national championship. Yeah, I said a decent UNC team. They weren't the best team in the in the, in the NCAA that year. Neither was Gonzaga. None of them should have been in the, that that championship game. I mean, Gonzaga, Gonzaga looked like a, a high school team in that game. I mean, Gonzaga is just not. And I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, I'm I hate Jalen Suggs. Dude cannot play. I mean, he's a freshman playing against pretty much high school teams. Okay, he's an athlete, so of course he's going to succeed against them. You know, you put him against the likes of like a um, a Baylor defense, uh, a Texas Tech defense, you know, all these, you know, top five defenses with good on-ball defenders. I don't think he's averaging 20-plus points. I think they got him at, you know, 15. You know, he doesn't shoot the ball that well. He just makes open shots. So I think I think those are those are definitely not unpopular opinions. I don't think anyone agrees with me really on the, the Gonzaga or the uh, – the Luke Garza trend being is that you turn on ESPN and all you really hear is Luke Garza this, Luke Garza that, player of the year and Gonzaga undefeated want, you know, number one, number one, you know, they're they're in a league of their own. And I think, you know, this year being what it is, you know, it's pandemic, you don't have all these off off season preseason workouts, off season workouts and and all this stuff is you're seeing that these teams that have played together for two and three years, you know, one or two new pieces that are that are very talented, you know, freshmen. I just think that they're that's why you're seeing, you know, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, they're the they're the conferences to be in this year. You know, 
Texas Tech, Baylor, Texas, West Virginia, all like all those all those teams are all in the same conference and they're all ranked. You know, you don't normally see that. Normally you see, you know, you, you know you always have Kansas, you normally have Baylor up there. West Virginia's sometimes in the mix. Texas Tech maybe a little bit, but you don't see these teams normally ranked and it's just because they're they're more mature, they know who they are and I think it, it also comes down to, you know, the games they've played. You know, these teams have played 17, 18 games. You look at, you know, you look at some of these 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 other schools that are supposed to be, you know, um, up there, you know, the Blue Bloods, you know, Duke, K- Kentucky canceled all their, their non-conference games out of safety. And and if you look at it, you know, Duke hasn't had a single positive COVID test, you know, knock on wood, um, in the entire basketball organization. Coach K, you know, was out due to close contact, but he, I don't think he ever really tested positive, you know. He was back within a week, so I, I don't see that, you know, that being a big, I think, you know, there's the safety of the players and, all that you know, you put that over winning basketball games. Because I mean, if you look, you look at Duke's schedule. If they play their non-conference games, they're not a seven and six team. You're you're talking twelve and six, thirteen and six, you know. And, and I think thirteen and six, you're you're in the the conversation still, you know. Um, but I think those those big issues of not playing those games and showing that like where the world is at now and what we're facing is much more important than basketball. And, and that, you know, you look towards some of these other conferences and they've had issues, you know, Florida State, they've had their issues. Um, pretty, you know, the Baylor-Gonzaga game, they had their issues, you know, and, and they had to postpone it. Um, and then I, I want to highlight one player, and that's going to be Sharif O'Neal, you know, Shaq's son, coming back from his, you know, this was a, a while ago that he came back, but dude had heart surgery, you know, went to UCLA, found out he had a heart condition, didn't play at all, went through heart surgery, had to, you know, learn to walk, learn to run, learn to jump, do all that, and now he's playing college basketball at, at a high level at LSU. You know, I think I think that speaks morals of the guy. I think he's, you know, you know whether or not you think he's an NBA talent, I think his work worth work ethic um, shows how, how bad he wants it, and I, th- I think he'll end up there um, somehow one day. I, I don't know if he'll be, you know, I don't think he'll ever be as great as his father. Um, but I think in, in the modern NBA, I think there's a place for, for him. And, uh, um, yeah, that's going to be it for the first podcast. Um, let me know what you guys think.